Every uh, part of the service so far has focused on the resurrection, on Christ, on Calvary. And I intend to do the same. Maybe to uh, maybe I just make a comment um, on uh, I guess it was Brother Bill shared a bit about Peter and Peter's failure and how Jesus how Jesus handled that. He is our example, right? Jesus is. What an amazing demonstration of, uh, of forgiveness that is. You, you know, you think about Peter's failure and just an outright denial, not once, not twice, but three times, and then cursing in the middle of it yet, and... Uh, and to just watch Christ through that, um, as our brother pointed out to us. Beautiful, beautiful, um, beautifully demonstrates to us uh, forgiveness, without a doubt. Well, the focus, these, as, I, as we noticed, the focus is on Christ, on his uh, resurrection, it's what is known as Easter weekend and spring of the year, at least for us on this side of the equator. Um, and it seems it seems appropriate. I wonder a bit what it feels like down the other side of the equator where they're in the middle of their winter, but it uh, <clears throat> seems so appropriate to uh, have uh, Easter in the in the burst of spring, representing new life and Christ celebrating his resurrection, death and resurrection at a time like this. <clears throat> We're going to focus on that, but uh, before we go there, uh, you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians. We'll be spending some time in in Colossians, but also moving around in other places in Scripture. But uh, beginning in Colossians chapter 2, verse uh, 9 and 10. Paul gives us these words regarding Christ. For in Him, speaking of Christ, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. And that word uh, complete is the word that I'm going to focus on for a moment here. You know, uh, ye are complete in him. The, uh, the idea is, is that of, there's different ideas with this word. The word, actually, the Greek word occurs in the scriptures some 90 times, I believe. And uh, 
speaks of fulfillment and filling and just various other words. Uh, and it has different ideas. Uh, but one of them is that ye are complete. Uh, basically, the idea of, uh, uh, let's say, let's say your, your cup is half full. In Christ, ye are complete. You get everything else you need. Your cup gets filled, in other words. Uh, your cup, uh, what you were lacking is found in Him. Uh, you are, ye are complete in Him. And then in, uh, in, in, and if that's the case, you know, that, that, that one verse, for in, for, and ye are complete in Him. You know, you, you have everything you need in Him. Uh, uh, he's the A, He's the Z. He's everything in between. You are, you're complete in Him. So, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, uh, that verse is all we need. Perhaps we can just, each take that verse, write it on a piece of paper, go home. We've got everything we need. It's all there. Uh, nothing else to talk about. Nothing else to worry about. But let's take a look at another verse in Colossians 4, verse 12. Here Paul gives us a revelation into Epaphras' prayer life. In chapter 4, verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Now here we have that word complete again. Now, uh, we were told earlier in the book that we are complete in him, and now we're told that Epaphras, or, or let, me, let me make it personal to the Colossian believers, uh, they were told that they are complete in Him. And now we're told that Epaphras is praying for them that they would be complete in Him. That they would uh, uh, be complete in all of the will of God. And uh, it just gives us, it gives us the, uh, kind of gives in a nutshell what we've been talking about and what I will talk about as we continue. But the concept or the idea that, that, uh, Christ is all in all, and yet there is, like Daniel said, there's that, there, there is the day to day life that we, uh, we need to live in, in, uh, embracing that, in, in, in living in that reality, in drawing, uh, entering into that perhaps, um, so Epaphras was praying that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. <clears throat> and I suppose if Epaphras was praying that, I suppose he was praying something that's possible. You know, that we can stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Um, Well, we will look at a bit more of this as we go through the message, I believe. I've titled today's message, uh, The Mission of Calvary. Like we've said already, uh, this is a time where 
at least some people are remembering the death and resurrection of Christ. Others are celebrating other aspects of Easter. Uh, but uh, I trust we're here to celebrate the, the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And uh, the mission of Calvary, you know, our Lord, our Lord came to earth with a mission. Uh, we, uh, I'm not going to go to a lot of scriptures to document that. I trust we believe that. He had, he came with a mission. He was on a mission. And, uh, I thought as I, as I pondered this, maybe we should give the definition or give some definition to the thought of being on a mission. It's basically the idea of, uh, Undertaking a task that one considers to be very important. Undertaking a task. You know, um, Mary is over in Iraq because she's on a mission. She's on a, she's undertaking, undertaken a task that she considers to be very important. And it is important, isn't it? Um, and Brother Tim's in Africa with the same concept, a mission, a task, something he considers to be very important. I trust that we don't have to, uh, uh, that we understand that we don't have to go some distant land to be on a mission. You know, you can be a, on a mission right in your home community. We can be on a mission. We can, we can engage in what we consider to be a very important task, even if it's uh, if it's uh, searching or, or looking for opportunities to touch our neighbors' lives with the grace of God. <clears throat> so, a mission, a very important uh, under a duty, a very important task. In Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew 26. We'll look at a few verses there as we consider the uh, the mission of Christ, the mission of Calvary. We have Jesus here giving some uh, of his thought regarding his mission. I'm looking at verse 52 of chapter 26. This is where Peter took out the the sword and uh, cut off the high priest's servant's ear. And then Jesus says these words, and he addresses Peter first of all. He says, Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all that for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me twelve, more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And so Jesus here, uh, confirms or affirms to, to us, to Peter, his mission. He's on a mission. There is, it's an important mission. And he could, he could actually, uh, uh, he wouldn't have to follow through with it, basically. He's saying, you know, I could call 12 legions of angels. They could deliver me. 
And I wouldn't have to follow through on this mission. But then what? How would the scriptures be fulfilled? How would salvation come to humanity if I didn't follow through with the mission? Is what he's saying there. And it was, while it was an important mission, it was, uh, it was not an easy one. Uh, we see that in, uh, just turning back one page in chapter 26, verse, uh, uh, 37, and reading a few verses. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And here he is, uh, uh, we were talking about the mission of Calvary. Here he is, he's, he's right on the threshold of his mission, of this part of it. I mean, obviously there was more to his mission than, uh, but this is, we're coming to the, to the, uh, climax of his, his whole purpose. And, uh, as he faces the, uh, the, uh, difficulty of what's ahead, uh, he actually asks the father, isn't there another way? It's basically what he's saying. Isn't there another way? Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. He says, so the mission was not a, it was not a, it was a difficult mission. The mission of Calvary. But our Lord was, was, uh, committed to follow through. What was that mission? The mission of Calvary. We've, uh, we've been hearing about it here this morning. I guess maybe there's there's different ways and a lot of uh, there's probably dozens of points that could be uh, given, but uh, the first one I would like to focus on is simply to rescue a people who were in deep trouble. The mission of Calvary to rescue a people who were in deep trouble. The Scripture gives us a a bit of a uh, a picture of who we as uh, as human beings. Are, were, could be, would be, depending on how, what aspect we look at it from. We'll go to Ephesians and Colossians and look at a few verses just to give us, uh, again, a refreshment of the need, the trouble that, uh, as human beings, we were in and are in. In in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, and these, uh, this is Paul writing, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's, uh, that's the trouble, that's the, uh, uh, dilemma that uh, the human race found themselves in, in dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's uh, those are some pretty graphic uh, description of of uh, the uh, problem that the human race found themselves in. And Colossians 2.13 gives uh, a similar thought. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven all trespasses. So we're, we're focusing on the being dead. Uh, Ephesians stated that uh, we walked according to the course of this world. Uh, we had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Uh, we were uh, when we when we think about the. Uh, the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, my, my uh, thoughts immediately go to Galatians 5 where it talks about the, the works of the flesh. Uh, and we might just read those. I'll uh, try to illustrate a little bit of this then. But in Galatians 5, it actually lists that whole uh, list of the works of the flesh in beginning in verse uh, 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So these, uh, we have these works of the flesh listed here in Galatians. We have in Ephesians that we were dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, uh, Colossians, we were dead in sin. You know, the picture is basically this, and I think, I don't think anybody will argue with it, that, you know, left to ourselves as human beings, this is the path that we go in. You know, this uh, lust of the flesh, the uh, works of the flesh as they're listed in Galatians. Left to ourselves, this is us. This is the path that we would walk in. Uh, this is, uh, uh, without some kind of outside intervention, this is a description of the human race. And, you know, we... I think all of us have probably to some measure have grappled with some of those things in our own lives enough to realize that it's real, it's powerful, it's, it's, it's a, uh, sin and darkness is a powerful force in the human race. And then we look around us, uh, and we see the evidence of it everywhere. And we see the destruction of it everywhere in, in, uh, in our, uh, communities and in our cities and in our, it's just, it's so, it's just, it's just where human beings go without intervention. And Calvary was a mission of intervention for the human race on this path to destruction that we found ourselves in. <clears throat> I've often, you know, uh, Romans 8, 2, and I'm just going to turn to that. 
an illustration that I've used in the past. Romans 8, 2 says, for the spirit of, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And we have two laws spoken of there. There's a, there's a much greater context that I'm not going to take the time to read all. But we have two laws spoken of there. A law of, of sin and death and, uh, and a law of spirit, the spirit of life. And when I talk about, uh, you know, as human beings, uh, this is the path we go in. Uh, the law of sin and death, or this this um, this uh, drive, this is it a drive, but this this press toward death, you know. Uh, and it talks about these two laws, and I've often enjoyed using the law of dynamic, uh, the law of, of gravity, and the law of aerodynamics to illustrate those two. The one being, you know, the law of uh, sin and death. It's it's uh, like uh, like uh, liken it to the law of uh, gravity in that you know I don't want to use that but there's just no way I can get this pen to float it would just drop you know and, and it doesn't matter how often I do it there is a law in place that causes that to happen uh, and we call it the law of gravity any any object as soon as we we we, we try to suspend it in air mid air and it won't stay there it'll just because there's a law in effect, and that's the, that's the picture of of uh, the human race, uh, humanity, without intervention, without Christ. It's just that's where we go to sin, to darkness, to the lust of the flesh. Uh, and uh, how did Ephesians say it? Uh, the lust of the flesh and of the mind, and so on. You know, it's just the natural. Tendency that gra- you, you just gravitate to it. It's it's the human race without intervention. But then we have this law of the spirit of life that is spoken of here in Romans eight two, and I liken that to the law of aerodynamics. You know the reason an airplane can fly is because they have they have uh, understood that there is a law that can overpower. The law of gravity. And the reason that you and I don't have to uh, continually be living in and following this path of sin and death and living under its power is because we have understood that there is a law that is greater than that. And it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it's because it's for that reason that we are able to, to uh, uh, it's a law that, that overpowers the law of sin and death, and we're able to to soar high, as you might say, above it. <clears throat> and that was the mission of Calvary, to make that all possible for us. To make it possible that we actually could, that there could be in place a law of the spirit of life that enables a person to be free from the law of sin and death and live in the reality of the law of the spirit of life. That was the mission of Calvary. We've already looked at this, but I think I'll, I'll take uh, the time to illustrate it just a little bit again. Uh, just uh, illustrate the two different um, laws, per se. So we have a person here. And uh, 
and under this person we'll write the uh, the sins of the flesh as they're you know we read them there in Galatians five. And then we have Calvary. Maybe we just put a cross in the middle here for Calvary. And then over here we'll put another person. Now, Matt, if you think you're not an artist, have mercy on me. (laughs) Okay. And under this person, we'll put the, the fruits of the Spirit. And we didn't take the time to read those, but maybe we will yet. Now, uh, We've, uh, uh, Daniel took us through Romans 6 there, and uh, I'm just going to uh, read Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I want to pick up a, a verse in Colossians as well, and I want to come back to that. In Colossians 2, verse 11, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And comparing those two verses a bit, uh, crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, uh, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. And so, Basically, what we have there, uh, because of Calvary, because of Christ's death, we are able to die with Christ. It's a, you know, uh, those of the, uh, those of us who have uh, been, uh, our old man is crucified with him. Uh, know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Uh, we, by faith uh, in Christ, we die to this old man and his his uh, list of sins and things that drive him, that motivate him, that hold sway in his life, that uh, uh, are his his uh, goals and purposes. So we die to that one, and we can rise to a new life. A new man uh, whose uh, uh, motivations and and uh, uh, purposes and and uh, the force that is driving him is an altogether new and different force, bringing an altogether different set of fruits uh, as a result. I've thought about it. I've also thought about this illustration. 
and I couldn't help but think about it this spring a few times, but uh, when I think about these two different uh, people uh, and and the, the 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 power that's in control, you know, you have this person here who's under the power of sin, and and then you have this person over here who's under the power of the Holy Spirit, and how different that uh, uh, works itself out in life, and how different that really uh, the, the the great contrast. And I thought about it. Uh, in this uh, sense that uh, just a few months ago, or yeah, even some weeks ago, when we had some of those uh, uh, polar, what they call the polar vortexes from the north coming pushing their way down here and shoving us a incredibly cold weather. And the feel of that and how, you know, it's so chilly and it's... Mm, and then, then the whole weather pattern shifts and change and we get a, a southerly flow and the temperatures just go up and it starts to feel so pleasant and you take off your coat. And it kind of illustrates these two different, uh, you know, the different power that is, is behind it. The, uh, uh, the one being that of the sin and darkness and the other being that of, uh, the spirit and life and, and so forth. That was the mission of Calvary. That was what uh, uh, our Lord Jesus came to do. To, uh, to make it possible for us to be free from this old man of sin. From this old body of sin as the scripture calls it. It calls it a body. It's like a, it's like a whole package deal of, of sin and, uh, and darkness and the desire for sin and the love of sin and and. You know, you name it, and of course you have uh, you have the forces of darkness and and the old world around us that all propel that forward. But that's what Christ came to deal with as part of His mission at Calvary, is to deliver us from it, uh, to make it possible for a human being to actually uh, be delivered from it and to uh, raise a new man with a new life, with new fruits and new opportunities and and. Uh, what a blessing indeed. What, a, what an opportunity is ours. <clears throat> so the message of Easter is a message of hope, a message of opportunity, new beginnings, changed life, uh, deliverance from the old, translated into the new, into the kingdom of his dear son. What a... What a marvelous thing that our Lord has done for us. And then there's another piece that we certainly don't want to miss. And it was also reflected on here this morning. As uh, the whole uh, concept of forgiveness that was a part of Calvary. And the mission at Calvary. In Colossians 2 verse 13. says, who hath delivered us. delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, it's, it's a blessing that uh, we, can, uh, we can be freed, uh, we can be circumcised, the old man, the old person, the old nature, and we can have a new nature. 
But what about everything that we did while we were in that old flesh and in that old nature? Uh, we have forgiveness, as it's stated here, uh, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Beautiful words. To present us holy and unblameable. In, in verse 20, it talks about having made peace through the blood of his cross. Basically, hidden away there is forgiveness, having made peace, having brought us back into a right, right, right relationship. In uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 1 verse 7, In whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Hebrews 9 verse 12 says this in part, by his own, by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So the blood of Jesus has uh, been shed for the remission of sins or for for the forgiveness of sins where, uh, again, a blessed privilege, but, uh, you know, we could we could list all the uh, sins that we've ever committed in life uh, and especially, uh, well, not just especially. I mean, we could think about them, uh, the catalog before we were even in Christ, but we actually need the blood over here. As a believer, First uh, John tells us that uh, if we, uh, let me turn to that. It's actually First John and, sec- and uh, chapter one and chapter two has some thoughts on that. First uh, John in, in one verse nine, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then chapter. 2 verse 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, that is one blessed verse, uh, uh, thinking now of uh, the sins of the whole world. There is no question whether Christ shed his blood for all. It's simply a matter of who would... Uh, uh, who will uh, believe it and receive it. But we have the blessing of not only, uh, yes, forgiveness here and, and the weight of sin, but then as a believer we discover from time to time we need forgiveness. You know, we, uh, we don't always uh, 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 hit the mark. Uh, you know, we don't always uh, succeed in everything that we would desire to or should or that God would have of us. And we have the blessing that if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. You know, and that uh, that helps us understand that as a believer, 
to be uh, to be to find ourselves in a place where there's just habitual sin there's something that just goes on and on and on and on and we find no victory over it is not really part of God's will in other words uh uh not the concept of well so we don't have the power over sin so we just confess our sin and he forgives us and praise God he does forgive us but the concept is that he will then also cleanse us and his goal is to cleanse us of that sin that sin should become less prevalent. That sin and its power should become less uh, dominant in our experience as we walk with Christ. Uh, that's the, the concept here in 1 John 1 verse 9 that we, uh, we confess it, he forgives it, we find cleansing, we find deliverance as we go on. <clears throat> and, and also in verse 2 there, uh, I write these things unto you that you sin not. So the goal is to not be sinning. The goal is not to excuse sin in our lives because, well, God forgives us. That's not the goal at all. The goal is to have victory over sin. But if we do sin, if there, and, 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 and I think all of us have probably been in that place at some point in life where we're so grateful that there, there, there's verses like these in the scripture where we discover and realize our failure and, uh, and and uh, we come to God and and find that forgiveness that uh, that we need in order to go on. Uh, what a blessing that God has made made it abundantly clear to us that uh, there is forgiveness, and these things aren't held in an account against us. <clears throat> so we have as a, as the mission of Calvary. Uh, Different aspects of it, and one of those aspects is the forgiveness of sins. And then I'd like to go on and consider another aspect of Calvary, and that is that our Lord also in his mission at Calvary, uh, let me read, let me read, if you're not in Colossians, let's go back to Colossians. I'm going to read verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1, Colossians 1, 9 and 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, and he's talking about their faith and their belief in Christ, this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, uh, in this context of Colossians, uh, we broke in here in verse 9. The previous verses already laid the foundation, that, uh, the foundational fact that these people uh, at, Col- at Colossae, they were believers and they've already uh, experienced everything we've been talking about. That's already a part of their experience. That's already uh, reality with them. And now uh, Paul uh, is praying for them that, uh, that several more things might happen. 
and uh, that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and that they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so Christ, in coming, in his mission at Calvary, yes, he, you know, he did all of what we've talked about already before, but he also wanted to, a part of his mission was to uh, secure a walk for us. A walk that is worthy of Him. Uh, to make the provisions for us so that we could walk life and live life in a manner that is pleasing and honoring to Him. And there are several different aspects that are here. There's, of course, first of all, a knowledge of His will. Uh, that is helpful, isn't it? If uh, How do you walk worthy of God or of Christ or of uh, uh, if we don't understand? You know, so... Paul had a desire that they would grow in their knowledge and their understanding of God. And we, we can always be growing uh, in our understanding. And, and, uh, and really, it's, it's a, it can be a, uh, a corporate thing as a body or it can be a personal thing. In fact, I, I, I'd like to, first of all, say it's personal. Each of us personally growing in our knowledge of, of God and of Christ. Uh, having wisdom and understanding, spiritual understanding uh, in this uh, world we live in, in this day that we live in. And that with that knowledge of God and His uh, and that understanding that we could then walk worthy, live life. Walking is simply living life. Live life in a way that is worthy of the profession that we make. Worthy of the Christ that we claim is ours. Uh, worthy of Calvary. Worthy of, uh, of, uh, of demonstrating this truth of this old man versus the new man. The truth of the old uh, being delivered from the old life and the, and the power of darkness and sin and being living in a new life. And that's something we can demonstrate in our, in our lives every day as various opportunities come up. <clears throat> That was one of Christ's goals in securing what we needed to walk worthy. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And remember those verses that I started out with there in Colossians 2 verse 9 and 10. Ye are complete in him. In Christ, everything has been given us. Everything is available to us that we need to walk worthy, to uh, to live an overcoming life, to to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. Will we do it in perfection? Probably not. But are the provisions there? I think so. They're there. We at times in life's Realities find that we don't always grasp the resources, don't always uh, latch on to them, receive them, whatever, uh, tap into them, but they're there. They're there. And uh, that uh, should be an encouragement to us that uh, the provisions are there, all that is needed. Uh, for us to live and to walk in a manner that is pleasing and honoring to God. 
and to walk a walk worthy of the Lord. And then to wrap it up, uh, I'd like to focus just a little bit on Colossians chapter 3 yet, where we discover that um, in this walk, and this again, uh, Colossians chapter 3 is uh, again the the context is all of what we've talked about is already understood to be a part of their lives as believers. They are in Christ. They have experienced a new life. Uh, all of those things. And then we come to chapter 3 and we discover that there's various day-to-day choices. And Daniel was talking about that. Uh, dying daily. You know, there's those day-to-day, moment-by-moment choices that are still a very essential part of our experience to in order to maintain that uh, the the reality of of living here in and in order to maintain the reality of of living above the uh the law of sin and death there's those day-to-day choices there's uh uh and they're they're reflected very well in this in this chapter in chapter uh, three of Colossians. If ye then be risen with Christ, since you've been risen with Christ, uh, you are a believer. Uh, you are a child of God. Uh, here's some uh, here's some practical tips for the journey as you go down life's uh, pathway. Seek those things which are above. An, an active word seeking. You know, when we seek something, we go after it. Uh, we're not lethargic about it. We're not lazy about it. We pursue it. Um, if uh, if you lost, or if your child were lost, for example, and you discovered your child is lost, you, you wouldn't just sit on the easy chair and say, well, son, go and look for him. <laughs> you'd, you'd get pretty... Uh, Desperate, you'd, uh, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd engage, you'd seek, you'd go and look in all possible places. Uh, so as believers, day by day, there's things for us to do. Seek those things which are above. Verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And basically, you know, I, I, uh, I can, I can set my pen here when it's there, you know. I can, I can set my pen over here. Now it's here. I can set my cup here or I can set it on the floor. It's where I put it. Where do I put my affections? Where do I set them? Where do I turn them? Do I put them on all the things in life around me? Make those my goals, my priorities? Or do I raise my face to heaven day by day and Ask God to put upon my heart the eternal things, the things that are of value, to set my affections on those things. You know, it's it's a challenge to me, and I, I um, I, I, sus- I, I suspect there's many, many more opportunities that come my way that we could seize if we. If, uh, but in business and in day-to-day relating with our community, you know, I can have my heart set on selling people my product or, or I can have my heart open and 
focused on trying to hear where there's a need, where there's someone who's hurting, where there's someone who needs hope, someone who needs encouragement. And then we go on. uh, Verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall ye also appear with him in glory. You know, that's, that's stating a reality. But he doesn't just park there and say, well, just live. You know, you're dead. You're dead with Christ. Just live. Enjoy your life. No, he still continues to give some instruction. Mortify therefore your members. Okay? You're a Christian. You're dead. You're hidden Christ. Mortify your members. You know, you're going to find that there's, there's these natural uh, things about you that are at times going to want to fulfill themselves in ungodly ways. Mortify. Mortify. Put it to death. Crucify it. Goes on down to verse 9. He says, put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. So put those off as you walk with God. When you see those things, there's a problem. When you see anger, put it off. Find, repent. Find freedom through Christ from it. Lie not one to another. Seeing you put off the old man, that's part of the old man's lying. New man's being truthful, being honest. Verse 12, put on therefore. You know, we're, we're getting rid of things that are ungodly, getting rid of things that are not right, not God honoring, not, not pleasing. Things that, that, uh, Christ, uh, died to deliver us from. Putting those off. And then he says, put on, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, a heart of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, attitudes, attitudes toward each other and towards people in general, uh, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, we heard about that. How Christ forgave Peter. So do you forgive. And then above all these things, put on charity or love. Unconditional love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And I always enjoy a verse like verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know, life is not about uh, uh, Sunday serving God and the rest of the day doing my menial uh, labors and putting bread and butter on the table. That's not what life is about. Whatsoever you do, do it in word or deed. Do it in the name of the Lord. Um, it's, it's about, uh, life, every day is about serving the Lord. Every, uh, every interaction with people is about serving the Lord. Every opportunity to cross paths with people is about serving the Lord. 
So we've, li- we've looked at uh, various uh, things there, to seek, to mortify, to put off, to put on, to lie not, to, to forbear, to forgive, to, to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Um, just, yeah, various things that are very much uh, day-to-day choices, day-to-day choices as life's opportunities come our way, as life's uh, experiences unfold. And we have opportunity to respond to those experiences. And we have some very practical instruction on how, how to pursue all of that. And I would have to say, probably enough for all of us to do, right? Uh, yeah, you take a list like that and, and our homework is cut out for us. <clears throat> all right, I'd like to wrap it up here with Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 20 and 21. As we consider the mission of Calvary and realize what God has, what Christ, for one thing, what Christ set out to do, he accomplished. Let's remember that. What he set out to do, he accomplished. It is done. It is finished, he said. And largely now, uh, it depends on our, uh, as far as its effectiveness and its reality in our lives, it largely it depends on us to respond to what Christ has provided and to respond day by day to the... Uh, and of course, it's, you know, as we respond um, and we choose to believe and choose to trust and choose to, choose to follow Christ, there's... There's the grace, there's the power, there's the help, there's the, all that comes from God. And, uh, and we're not left to, to wing it alone, as you would say. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's my uh, closing thoughts for us. You know, uh, God is God is for us. God is for his people. Uh, there was a big price paid to purchase all of that. All that we talked about. There was a big price paid for it. And uh, there's... If, if we will, if we will, uh, receive it, if we will believe it and receive it and embrace it, God is pleased, God is blessed that we have chosen to accept His provision for us. And, uh, it's, uh, and it's He that continues to work in us. Working in you that which is well pleasing in His sight. May God, uh, may God refresh our spirits and our hearts and uh, our purpose to, to continue to walk in the reality of uh, the, the life that Christ purchased for us. May God add his blessing. Perhaps we could, could we kneel for prayer? <clears throat>
Our Father, our God, we do bow in your presence here at the close of the this hour. Father, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for uh, allowing that revelation to be so readily available to us in the scriptures. Father, forgive us where we take that for granted and are careless with it, having the revelation of Christ so freely available to us. Thank you. Father, ask a blessing on each one present here, each one that uh, as each each individual person here has, uh, has their own life, their own opportunities, and you've made salvation available to each one. And we ask again today that your spirit would bless and minister these words as life to the soul, that uh, through Christ we can all have hope and we can go through life's even most difficult uh, experiences with hope and joy and purpose. So, Father, you know our, our comings, our goings. You know our uh, what life uh, complexities are in each one of our lives. And I ask that you would bless us each accordingly with uh, your spirit, your peace, your joy. We ask a blessing this morning also on uh, our brother Aaron, his uh, wife, several, and uh, Stephen as they're in Tanzania and the rest of the family here at home be with them in these, these few weeks in each of their places. Bless uh, the time in Tanzania for Earl and his wife and bless the children at home. And God uh, bless the continued labors in the foreign fields. We ask a blessing on Mary as well. She continues. Thank you for the open door there. Uh, Thank you for protecting her and and the team uh, that is with her. And Lord, bless them with many more opportunities. Father, now again, just... uh, Commit our ways to you. Go with us. Be a father to us. Pour out your spirit upon us and bless us and help us to walk worthy of the Lord. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.